Hey, everybody. Welcome to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. So on today's show, I'm talking with Blister reviewers Sam Shaheen, Kristen Sinat, and Luke Kappa. We just spent last weekend together still testing more ski gear, and I don't really know how or why, but on this episode, things get pretty loose. There are some gems in here, including our group review of the ON3P Woodsman 108, Luke Kappa's smart take on the new Technica heat moldable hiking shoe, the Plasma S, Kristen Sinat's and my conversation about two new ski boots that we are both excited about, and Sam... Well, actually, I don't recall a moment where Sam actually said anything smart, so it's probably just safe to assume that he didn't. But though there are some gems in here, if you are feeling particularly uptight right now, then just please don't even listen. Or if you happen to be offended by belching, you also probably shouldn't listen. As for the rest of you, you've now been warned, so you've really only got yourself to blame if you continue to go any further here. Anyway, here it is, maybe our best, but actually and almost definitely our worst Gear 30 episode ever. Next week, we will go ahead and get back to our regularly scheduled, more professional programming. Okay, here we go. I'm here with Luke Kappa, Sam Shaheen, and Kristen Sinat. I think we're all a little cranky. This has been kind of a contentious day, and, uh, you know... We're probably going to get into some arguments in this episode, and um, that's how this episode is going to be. It's going to be fairly random. We are going to talk about some gear. We were all together this past weekend uh, testing more stuff on some ski slopes in Summit County. And so, um, yeah, this might be the strangest Gear 30 episode we've ever done. We will see. Luke Coppa's looking at me. He's, what was the weirdest we've ever done? Uh, probably the Tinder episode. <laughs> The Tinder episode. That Tinder episode, we continue to hear a lot about that episode. So um, anyway, to kick things off in a very weird and random way, I'm going to try uh, for the first time, literally ever, right now, White Claw. And I don't even remember. This became a topic of conversation over the weekend. How did this come up? I, I wasn't there for this, but I'm guessing because at the base area, they were serving hard oh. seltzers. They're all the rage, man. They're sweeping the nation. Oh, man, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we don't know why this got started. Like, for the love of God, I don't know why this came up. But I think I just remember being asked, do you like White Claw? And I, I think I screamed no, but I actually was thinking of the wrong thing. Because somebody had given my girlfriend, I don't even know what it's called. I think it's called like Truly or something. And so I, all I remember is I was like, what is that? We were going on a hike. We left some of this thing in the car. And it was like, my girlfriend was like, yeah, my friend said this is really good. And we came back from this hike several hours later. All I know is I've, I've only tasted truly at like room temperature or warmer, and it was definitely the worst thing I've ever had. And so who knows, maybe in fairness to truly, it gets better if it's actually cold. I have trouble believing that, but um, that was my take on truly. I confused it with White Claw, and um, 
Luke, what are what are our flavor options here? Uh, so I bought the variety pack, which comes with lime, grapefruit, black cherry, and raspberry. You picked out the raspberry. Because you told me lime is terrible. Lime is terrible. Okay. Also, all of Truly is hot trash, so not surprised <laughs> you didn't like it. My So my personal preference, White Claw-wise, is black cherry by far. Just throwing my two cents out there. Wow, you guys are all all in on this. Kristen, have you tried this, Kristen? I'm going to take my first sip of this while you talk. There was one day at Tao's where they never opened the lifts, and Patrick went downstairs and got us some hard seltzers. I do not know what kind it was. I didn't like it, but again, maybe it was truly. I have no idea. Probably. Or the Oscar Blues one is god-awful. It had. It was tequila. Is that right? Is- oh, <laughs> tequila seltzer yeah i usually like tequila so i thought that was surprising i didn't but pat liked it um here's my take it's really hot in hq right now so to be drinking something cold at all is not bad um i don't know man like it's fine would i ever buy this i think the answer is no Anyway, so that's it. I may weigh in. You know, it's like this is a as we go. If I feel the need to update uh, how this is going, I'll let you know. But um, anyway, yeah, we just did like a Father's Day gift guide thing where I was very fondly writing about like good 12-year-old whiskey. And then to go to this is just wrong, really. Yeah, okay. We should probably delete all of that. <laughs> Let's go ahead and we're going to kind of just go round table style, three reviews each. This sort of counts as, I guess, number one. Luke loves hard seltzer. Apparently, we now have a variety pack sitting in headquarters if anybody is in the area and wants to come grab this. Uh, that's that's going to leave headquarters and go back to my house. <laughs> anyway, we're going to go uh, we're going to go round table here. Kristen, why don't we have you jump in with the first non ridiculous review? So one thing I've been on recently is the Solomon S Max 120 women's boot and they are amazing. I forget I'm wearing them. Um, they just, there's no issue with the flex. There's no hard stop, uh, super smooth. The liner feels plush. It's just, I'm, I'm really liking the, the boot. Um, and I've had about 15 days or so in them. Cause you've been testing a lot of boots. I, yeah, I had been, and they were again, downsized, uh, but they were still some great boots. Um, but yeah, these ones are far and away my favorite right now. And I look forward to having toenails, um, here forward. So because often Kristen, your complaint has been that the boots you get in are either too short and or too soft. Yeah. Well, so the two, I mean, granted I'm downsizing, so too short doesn't always sound right, but uh, the head raptors are shorter than the Technica Mach 1s, like uh, not boot sole length so much as just the the interior, I guess. Um, and they do range a bit on flex and, and some of them, you know, have a hard stop to them, uh, which gives some shin bang. But this one just, there's not much movement. Uh, my leg doesn't move much uh, inside the boot and it, it just, I don't know, it just feels great. And it's a 98 last. It, I, I don't know. I really like it, though. I have to write the review to get all the details down. But So 
who do you think this boot is going for? Would you say women who are skiing really hard and are wishing they had more boot? Is this a contender or is this, is it like, no, this isn't the stiffest boot I've been in. You just like the kind of suspension and travel of the boot and the rest. But I, I'm trying to just get a sense of like, should people who aren't skiing super hard be checking this out or who's the audience here? Ah, that's a good question. Um, it's a, it's labeled a 120 flex and I don't think it's any softer than the other boots that are the 110s, 115s, like the Head Raptor and the Technica Mach 1. Um, so I don't think it's, uh, it's not a beginner boot by any means. I think it's for women that are charging that just want a nice, smooth, flexing boot. Um, yeah, I would say pretty much anyone. I'm obviously not beginners uh, that need a softer flex, but it's just... Pretty wide audience, you're saying? I, I would think so, yeah. Again, just really enjoying it. Sam, what do you got? <laughs> These stupid hard seltzers. Update <laughs> update on the White Claw. Serious take it or leave it and mostly leave it is kind of where I'm at a little little further in. Plus, it's overly carbonated. You don't need worlds of carbonation in your beer or non-beer. It's definitely admittedly not the best beverage to shotgun or chug it is very carbonated i can't believe this is a thing it's all about refreshing summertime you know uh -huh. anyway let's talk about skiing so yeah i got to spend some more time on the k2 mindbender 99 last week and prior to this i'd skied the 184 version of the ski and we got to ski on the shorter length 177 if i'm not mistaking that and um it's a ski that I really enjoyed. Um, it is not a lightweight ski and as a result has a pretty plush and damp suspension, which was definitely very much appreciated in the sort of lumpy, lumpy slush that we got to ski it in. It's not super demanding. Like the shovel is, is very accessible. It's definitely um, a term I learned this weekend was, was an Austrian flex pattern. Uh, the K2 Mindbender 99 certainly has a bit of an Austrian flex pattern in that the tail is a bit stiffer than the shovel, rel relatively speaking, you know? Quite a bit stiffer. And you're welcome for me telling you that, Sam. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Luke, Luke, Luke was not, Luke is mad at me at the moment. <laughs> I just don't understand what an Austrian flex pattern or how, how that's related to a directional flex pattern. Is that the same thing? It's just a cooler word for a directional flex pattern. Well, I don't like the term directional flex pattern. Who, where are we hearing about that? Well, that's just what I would use to describe the ski that's disproportionately softer in the shovels than it is in the tails. No, that's called an Austrian flex pattern. I mean, I would say, Sam, I mean, it's, that shovel's a good bit softer than the tail, no? Yes, yes, okay. I would say a good bit, a good bit, yeah, if that's, if that's, a, if that's a descriptor that we're allowed to use. Yeah, we can say that. I, like I would have said decently. Softer. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, this podcast. Everyone, just turn this off. <laughs> but keep talking, Sam. Oh, yeah, it's a cool ski. For directional skiers, um, you know, intermediate to expert, I think there's a lot to like in this ski, especially if you value a really, really good suspension. Of the skis in that class that I've been on, you know, uh, Vocal Mantra M5, Blizzard Bonafide, 
enforcer series, things like that. I think that Mindbender 99 probably has the best suspension. It's just, it's a real plush ski. I might just save my comments for our, for our full review, but I'm also, by the way, just stunned, Sam, that you actually like this ski. I mean, I think that's the biggest, I, I, I would have, if you would have asked, I would have said like, would Sam be into this? I would have said, I am not totally sure what, why there's anything in particular about the Mindbender 99 where Sam would have been like, I really am into this. But in fairness to you and not to pigeonhole you, again, it's like, yeah, you are kind of infamous now for your love of the Razi Soul 7, but you do also really like that vocal mantra M5 showing that you clearly have some versatility to your game. But still, I think I don't think this Mindbender is like a M5. No, I don't think it's very much like an M5 at all. I mean, I, th- I think it competes with it, but I think it is definitely for a different audience. Um, you know, the M5 is a lot more energetic. It's snappier. It's stiffer all around. I think it's, I think a, the the better your technique is, the more you're going to get out of that M5, where this Mindbender 99 is, you know, pretty big sweet spot, not super demanding with that accessible tip. I think it's advanced, like low advanced and high intermediates are going to, are going to get more out of the ski than they would the M5, I would wager. But yeah, I, th- I think that they that they're they're both good skis. They're just different. Quite different. <laughs> Fuck this hard <laughs> seltzer. <laughs> Luke is over here. Do you need a Heimlich? What is happening? No, I don't know. The White Claw is destroying <laughs> us over here. <laughs> no, I don't know why I'm coughing. Oh my God, dumpster fire. That should just be the title of this podcast. <laughs> okay, well, I think we're going to we're gonna be saying more about that mind bender. Um, oh, okay, I can't resist. I want to just say this. Luke, help me out here. In the copy of the whole mind bender series, didn't they do this thing about kind of like loose when you want it to be? And like, what were they saying? Do you remember more specifically? Um, yeah, so K2's whole kind of thing with the Mindbender series is that they tweaked the torsional flex independently from the longitudinal flex. So the tips are supposed to be easy to bend and engage, um, and then it kind of torsionally stiffens up as you move to the middle of the ski, and then the tail is the most torsionally soft portion of the ski, making it easier to release. So the idea is that you have a strong edge hold through the shovels in the middle of the ski, and then you have a tail that's easier to release than a ski that is kind of equally torsionally stiff throughout the entire length, if that makes any sense. I remember just reading about like it's loose, like this looseness that I didn't remember when we first started skiing the 184 in the, ni- in the 99. Yes, definitely in the 108. But when we started skiing the Mindbender 99 in Crested Butte, I did not, I wasn't picking up on this. This past weekend, especially the front half of that ski, felt like there was this surfiness and looseness that I was like, wait, does their marketing copy, like, am I, is it actually kind of aligning with what I'm feeling here? But I did feel like it was a, a ski that I could stand centered on and just kind of pivot that front, which looking at the shape of that shovel, I would not have quite expected that. 
Yeah, I wouldn't say I noticed a looseness in the shovel. When I was skiing the 184 at Crested Butte, I thought the tail felt surprisingly easy to release. It didn't feel like a particularly maneuverable ski, mostly because of how much tip you have in front of you due to the rearward mount point, and it's a heavy ski. Um, but in terms of just like sliding turns, as long as you're forward, the tail always felt pretty easy to release like the 108, at least in my experience. Sam, any parting words on the Mindbender 99 versus what Luke and I just said and cut you out of the conversation of your own review? Uh, yeah, thanks guys. Uh, I would have said before Luke said all that stuff about torsional stiffness, tip to tail, I would have probably said those exact same things before he'd said that. I don't believe you. Yeah, that was sarcasm. I would have no idea. The ski just felt pretty solid. Luke, you haven't said anything yet. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) So I will talk about a product that's kind of ski related and kind of not. So Technica, who is primarily known by most people to make ski boots and some very good ones at that, recently, what's that? And moon boots. Don't forget the moon boots. They make moon boots? No, they don't. Why don't we have them? Yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> I want right. moon boots. I'm going to Google it. Okay. Well, while you do that, I will talk about a shoe that they released this year. Uh, it's a low-cut hiking shoe, completely separate from their skiing line. And the main story with it is that it features heat-moldable materials, which haven't really been used in the hiking market before. It's taken from their ski boots. Uh, and it's a pretty minimal construction in terms of the heat moldability. Like it's not like you're wearing an intuition liner in your hiking shoes. Um, it's more of like a thin plastic around the arch and the heel. And then the entire insole is also heat moldable. So I had them molded at outdoor retailer last year and I've been using them kind of for the past year almost at this point. And the main thing that stood out is one, I was able to get a super, super secure fit, which isn't all that common for my feet because I have kind of a low volume ankle arch and instep, but then a really high volume midfoot, which means I usually have to go with wider shoes uh, just to compensate for my wide midfoot. But in the Plasma S shoe, I was able to get a really solid fit um, to the point where I've been taking it on kind of any trips that involve a lot of scrambling or climbing over talus or just kind of walking through sketchier trails. And then combined with that secure fit, the shoe itself I would describe as kind of like a mix between a backpacking boot and an approach shoe. Uh, it It's definitely on the more supportive end of the spectrum rather than like super light and flexible. Um, it's definitely not a trail running shoe, but to me it turned out to be pretty ideal for one summer skiing trips where I'm carrying a pretty big pack with skis and ski boots on my back and want a lot of support, but I also need to keep in mind weight, try and keep that down. And then I also need to end up putting my shoes in my pack. So boots kind of aren't an option for that. Um, and the plasma became my go-to last summer and I'll continue using it this summer because it's pretty much as supportive as most of my hiking boots and backpacking boots, but a bit lighter. It's not a particularly light shoe, but lighter than most boots and just kind of feels rock solid on sketchy terrain, even with a heavy pack on. And just so you guys know, to quote um, Zappos.com, you may have heard of it. The one, the only, the original Moon Boot Technica. 
What? Yeah. Huh. Sounds like we need to call it in. Seriously, let's review some. Can do a deep dive versus the full tilt boot in yeah. the North Face. Is it booties. like a? Is it like your full tilt slipper boot thing? No. Sam? How do you not know moon boots? They're like calf length. They're really tall. They're like, they're like super actual warm. moon boot. I just still can't wrap my head around this. They're like they have the words moon boot printed on them in huge letters around the around That's the calf. Technica, huh? Yeah. I've learned so much in addition to learning that White Claw is stupid and just makes you burp like crazy. Anyway, Moon Boots, better than White Claw. <laughs> we, we don't know, actually. All right, <laughs> we don't know, but I'm just going <laughs> to go out on a limb. Thanks, Luke, for that was a big monologue about a hiking boot. I mean, I think the biggest <laughs> thing is it, like, that's a very easy product to just look at and be like, bullshit and uh it sounds like you are uh not not ready to call bs and in fact like what's going on there yeah i think i'd like to get more people's opinions on how the customization process worked for them but at least for me it resulted in a really good fit and i'm curious to see how they expand that line going forward because right now they just have a boot called the forge in a uh, non-waterproof and Gore-Tex version, and then they have the plasma shoe in a <laughs> waterproof and non-waterproof version. Uh, and then they do have some big news coming up um, that I think will be released next week. I'm not sure if I'm at liberty to talk about it yet, but keep an eye out. Maybe I can burp my way through the press release. Who's up? Me. Thank God. Uh... I want to actually talk about another ski boot too. And um, it's the Nordica Pro Machine 120, actually. And the whole backstory of this, uh, we have to give a shout out to Blister member Andy Friedman because the reason I'm in this boot right now is very literally because I got an email from Andy who had, I think, read some of our stuff about the Pro Machine 130. And he sent me a note saying, hey, man, I've been checking out this Pro Machine 120. And I think it's fair to say that Andy would normally be skiing in a 130, is kind of a 130 boot guy most of his ski life. And I just got this email, and he's like, you 100% have to check out the 120. And he gave me a little bit more, but I kind of filed that away, and he made a compelling enough argument that, I was like, okay, cool. Like we've reviewed the 130, but I'm going to get in the 120. Well, I finally got in the thing. And I very much agree with Andy. I think this is a very good boot. I put it on. I did nothing to it and just skied it a full day, having done one whole day in my beloved uh, Head Raptor 140 RS, the next full day uh, in the Nordica Pro Machine 120. And I think Nordica has done a very good job with this boot. I'm, I think, frankly, my punchline is many more people are probably going to want to be in that 120 than the 130 that I think there's, and in my review of these things, I will go into more detail about, you know, who should be in what. I don't think the 130 is sort of dead or like, you know, don't cross it off the list, only focus on that 120. But there's just no question, I think, that the Pro Machine 120 is just going to be the choice for a lot of skiers, certainly for high intermediates, low intermediates. And I mean, I wouldn't put a beginner in that boot, I don't think. 
But I still think a lot of experts are going to get along with the the suspension of that boot. And I think the basic thing is it this is simply something, and Kristen kind of said something about this herself earlier. I really like to get in to the flex of a boot initially. I don't like feeling like I'm hitting a brick wall right off the top. And in this 120, it's easy to get into the flex, but even when skiing very hard and fast, it still felt like in 99.9% of the situations I've skied in so far, it still was ramping up in terms of supportiveness enough that given that we spend a lot of time skiing kind of steep, bumped up, weird stuff. I like to get in that boot and not feel like I'm the boot is pushing me into the back seat or something. And um, this boot did this really, really well. So uh, we're going to be talking more. I'm, I've already talked to Andy. I'm going to try to get him to come in a bit and um, join me in this review to so that he can spell out a bit of what he's doing. And he's doing, it sounds like a little bit of tinkering himself, but um, yeah, I'm excited to say more about this keep an eye out for the Nordica Pro Machine 120. One question, does it still have the super low volume fit of the Pro Machine 130? It's funny, I, I'm i not at all prepared to believe that they've done anything different with the shell, but I skied that boot the entire day, right? And I remember telling you guys, like on the chairlift, like this is really interesting. Like my toes had plenty of room but I remember like on the chairlift grabbing like Sam's forearm and kind of like saying like, you're getting that, like it's a very firm grip. And Sam immediately was like, I love that. And I was like, I know this was not a complaint. Like just to clear it up, I didn't love that you were grabbing my forearm. <laughs> that felt really uncomfortable. Oh, oh I see. <laughs> Damn it. I thought we were sharing a moment, but yeah, it felt like very snug, exactly how you would ideally want a, high performance ski boot to feel. And, you know, sometimes you get that across this sort of instep and it will also mean that you're dealing with like crushed toes, which is just kind of unnecessary. This was not that. I think at least if you are used to skiing in a LV boot, I would, I'm not going to do a thing to this boot. And, and admittedly, I've often been told like I have like a pretty ideal foot shape for low volume boots. I get along with a lot of them without having to do a lot of work. That is when I'm not downsizing them, which I'm kind of doing less and less these days because, you know, toenails. But uh, I think not a tiny, like stupid tiny toe box, but a very firm feeling around the instep. I think I have a fairly high instep. So if you're going higher than mine, it might feel like too much, but um, let's put it this way. I can say that I'm very, very happily skiing a Head Raptor 140. Um, and I was thinking about this, they are at least similar, I think, in terms of the fit, that Head Raptor 140 and the Nordica Pro Machine 120. I'm not sure why when skiing that Pro Machine 130, it did feel a bit more intense. I'm not sure if there's a difference in the liner. Um, we'll have to look into that a bit more, but um, I would not call this a sloppy fit by any means, but it also was not as intense as kind of my early days in the Pro Machine 130. Who's up? Kristen. Okay, the next item I want to talk about is the Fjallraven Keb Eco Shell Jacket. Um, and it, it is actually 
not ski specific, but um, they do list that as one of the kind of options that you can use it for. And I, I have, I skied it in a, a basin. I've also toured in it and taken it to Hawaii and Florida and worn it in complete downpours. Uh, just super impressed with this jacket. It's breathable, completely waterproof. Like I had it as an umbrella over myself and uh, my son while we were out on a hike for a few hours in a downpour and both of us stayed dry. Uh, it has nice vents. It's just a really nice looking jacket, kind of a timeless look. So I think of all the gear I've gotten, I think this one just seems like it's going to last and it's not going to be dated. It just highly recommended. Yeah, that thing, having seen it last weekend, it looks awesome and it doesn't look particularly techy to the point where I wouldn't want to wear it in town, but it also doesn't look like you're wearing like a Carhartt jacket or something like that. I think it, the in terms of aesthetics, it strikes a really cool balance. Yeah, and the fact that like I wore it kayaking in Florida in the 60s and, or 70s even, and then on the ski hill and it fit both situations perfectly. It's just, it's very impressive. Sam, your turn. Cool. So the next thing I want to talk about is a pair of sunglasses. I'm actually wearing them right now. Um, I know you guys can't see, but I rarely take these sunglasses off. Um, (laughs) Oh my God. Are uh, you drinking a white claw right now too? No, I'm, I'm stone cold sober. Um, I'm just seeing, picturing you inside with sunglasses on. Seems like you should be holding like a grapefruit white claw. I'd, I'd be like in a smoking jacket with a cigar and like a cognac or something, you know. No. But I'm not. I'm wearing a t-shirt and wearing sunglasses inside. Um, anyway, these are the Maui Gym North Star frames. And uh, anyone who knows me has known like for the past three weeks has just like heard me obsess about these things. I got them in the mail and they are the lightest pair of sunglasses we've reviewed by like almost 10 grams. They weigh 14.1 grams. The majority of sunglasses, for those of you who don't know how much sunglasses weigh. um, (laughs) But why wouldn't we know that? (laughs) (laughs) The lightest pairs that we've been getting here at Blister are like these kind of super lightweight, like minimal small plastic frames. And they're in the low 20 gram range. Most sunglasses come out in the high 20s to low mid 30 gram range with like the heavy ones being in the high 30s. Can I interject for one second? I just got some Roka Oslos and they came in at 19 grams. Oh, snap. Snap. Whoa. All right. Okay. Good, good rebuttal. But just like, give it a sec. I got more to say. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, these frames are titanium. They're crazy light. They're also super cool. They have all these like laser cutouts in them with like subtle detail that's like gives the frame sort of a like an elevated vibe without being flashy. The lens is a poly lens, so that helps to cut down on the weight as well. And uh, I'm really into them. They're definitely best for small faces as they are is is a pretty, a pretty small frame and they're quite expensive. But if you have the means and a small face, and you wear a lot of sunglasses like I do. This is my current like absolute favorite pair of sunglasses, and I have a ton of sunglasses. <laughs> wow, sick! <laughs> oh boy, when you say they're expensive, roughly how much? They are exactly three hundred and ninety nine dollars. Wow. Okay. Um, is it Luke's turn? So we already touched on this. Well, Jonathan did on a previous podcast, but. 
Sam and I finally got to spend time on the ON3P Woodsman 108, which is a brand new ski for them. And basically, I just wanted to say as a skier who has more of a playful, kind of freestyle-oriented style, uh, I really, really enjoyed my time on the Woodsman 108. I I really like the ON3P Cartel 108, and I think the ON3P Renegade 108 is a good ski, just not for my style. But I had been kind of wishing for something in between. I wanted basically a cartel I could drive through the front a bit more. And after two days on it, the Woodsman appears to be that ski. It's not quite as loose and surfy as the cartel, but it's significantly more manageable and maneuverable than a Renegade 108, I think. And all three of the skis feel super similar in terms of like damping, suspension, and uh, kind of their flex patterns are also really similar. So basically, the bottom line is that the Woodsman 108 is kind of the ski I've been looking for to slot into ON3P's lineup. And we had been talking about internally, just like what would your ideal ski be for a basin in June when it's firm in the morning, slush, super slushy in the afternoon. And after spending two days on the Woodsman 108, I think I could be pretty happy on that. Um, in any sort of soft conditions, I think the main question will still be how how well it handles like firm, smooth surfaces. But for now, I'm I'm super high on the ski. Yeah, and I would like to interject and say that I also really, really like that ski. And having a skiing style somewhere between Jonathan and Luke, I think that's saying something that, you know, Jonathan is super directional, Luke is super playful, and me in the middle, and everyone really got along well with that ski. I think it's a, it's a solid, it's a solid ski. It hit the trifecta. It's pretty rare. Doesn't happen very often. Not that often. That was another one. I was actually, I thought Sam was going to say, eh, soften it a bit. And we, I, I pushed you on that all weekend, kind of. I'm like, really? You wouldn't like this thing if it was a bit softer? And you just were like, nope. You're like, with its rocker profile, I think it's pretty money. Because it is. It's, it's not a weak ski. I also, I wouldn't call it particularly demanding. Not demanding, but like stiffer than I thought that Sam might be into. I would have expected Sam to want a lighter ski. I don't don't (laughs) know if he'd want a softer one. I feel like you're like railing on me. (laughs) Let's see. I don't feel like talking about skis anymore. We'll save one of the skis. Sam and I had a very, very interesting kind of debate going uh, over the weekend with the new Black Crow Zorb. Uh, especially kind of versus the Nordica Enforcer 88. We're just going to save that for later. Um, but that was a, that I thought was a pretty interesting back and forth we, we had. Just to keep it moving, I'm going to talk about, I want to do a random review of Smash Burgers Black Bean Burger because that was terrible. Like, th- I'm a bit of a like connoisseur of like black bean burgers and veggie burgers or whatever. I think it was literally the worst I've ever had. I'd never been in a smash burger before. I've always heard these great things. And right, I know they're not in the black bean burger business, but like you are in the burger business and that was really, really bad. And for what it's worth, I had the same exact burger, but with a meat burger and I thought it was phenomenal. Yeah. So I think it, the issue is very much the black bean burger itself. Right. Yeah, they were. it was definitely like a... If you're dumb enough to like walk into one of these and not be ordering meat, 
like that's your fault and we'll make sure you never come back in you know it's like middle finger to the plus do you guys remember what it looked like it looked like if you walk around a circus after the show by the elephants well i mean smashburger's whole thing is that they smash the yeah meat, but you saw it, mine it i don't think it translates very well to black it did not burgers. translate it and like not. it kind of just obliterates them yeah when I saw it and tasted it, I was just like super crestfallen because I've been hyping Smashburger hardcore for like a you decade. Have. I yeah. love Smashburger. I think it is by far and away the best fast food burger that you can buy. And I stand by that on the meat side, but I was real disappointed in that black yeah. bean burger as well. Let's put it this way. If you told me I had to eat like 10 black bean Smashburgers in the next week or 10 white claws i'm it's an easy choice for the very very mediocre white claw we should just start rating skis on a white claw scale <laughs> most of the skis i've been on are better than white claw so if we could do that but it would be like definitely better than white claw or better than white claw or on the black bean smash burger scale like everything's just everything <laughs> yeah yeah, literally one of the worst products I've ever had <laughs> or used or something. I would just, I just feel bad for the audience at this point. Like if there's still <laughs> if someone's still listening, I just next one will be better. Actually, the next one really will be better and interesting. But I, I like this. It's like we're forging ahead. Everyone always has a worst episode. This is going to be ours. Some we try to set a high bar today. We've set the floor. Getting it out of the way. Kristen, do you want to fight with Sam about Lara Bar flavors real quick? I can do that, or I can talk about the Burly Delight Child trailer, but, um, I mean, there's really no... Why burp into the mic? There's really no fight. It's the peanut butter cookie... Is objectively not good. It is amazing. It's always sold out because everybody loves it. Three ingredients. It's great. Everybody is dumb. Lara Bars are delicious. I don't know about that. Peanut butter is the last, is the last thing I want out of a Lara bar. Peanut butter and dates is not a good combo. You're that right. It's a great combo. <laughs> I just don't like dates in general. I want nothing to do with Luke them. Luke doesn't date. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I'm so, Luke, I'm sorry, man. Okay. I don't know where that went, but basically somebody likes a Lara bar and somebody else doesn't is what I gleaned from that, so... I've got a super fast interjection. Okay. For anyone who's into hip hop out there, oh, this is Dreamville just released a new song called Down Bad. And like, it's a posse cut. And most of those are oh, no. absolutely terrible. But this is like one of the greatest songs I've heard this year. It is incredibly good. Go check it out. Down Bad. Jid, Boss, J. Cole, Earth Gang, Young Nudie. It's dope. What is happening right now? All I know is everybody, if they're like the four people who haven't turned this off, are like, so the guy wearing sunglasses inside drinking White Claw <laughs> is now advising me on hip hop. Sick. Just to have a good picture, he was also rubbing his mustache earlier oh, while no. he was on FaceTime video. Sam, we can talk about that stuff on a new podcast that Jonathan and I decided that you, Sam, and I are starting called Dirtbag Chic. Dirtbag Chic. That was daily. <laughs> dirt was it? Well, it's just I think Dirtbag Chic, a daily podcast. Yeah, we're gonna do it every single day. Yeah, but it's only gonna be two minutes long. 
given that this is like a new thing we do is talk about all the podcasts that we definitely won't ever do, <laughs> Dirtbag Chic did come up today at, at HQ. I like the name a lot. lot. Largely because you should see what Luke is wearing. He's got a picture of a f- ankle and foot with, a, I think, a Chaco on it. it but he came in wearing like kind of hipster, kind of like dirt bag, mountain biker socks with, he's like wearing a picture of a foot in a sandal, but he's wearing like, I don't know what kind of shoes and like jorts. It was just like, it was like, dude, this is your, I know we keep it pretty casual around here, but this is, this is just awful. Uh, just to clarify, one of us has a degree in apparel uh, and it's not Jonathan. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yes. <laughs> yeah, I think I think most people would find that my outfit was perfectly acceptable for a mountain town like Crested Butte. There are bad yeah, I, I I will never take fashion advice from Jonathan. You should see what this dude wears. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at him right now. <laughs> <laughs> we should move on. <laughs> Does anybody have any parting words? Can we just can we just put this podcast out of its misery? If anyone from White Claw is listening, I would gladly accept a sponsorship since we don't. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, if if on the outside chance that anyone related to White Claw is listening, first of all, I'm sorry I don't like your product more, but I really don't. But apparently Luke and Sam are into it. But I will say White Claw, definitely better than Truly. If anybody is from Truly is listening to this, fix your product. It's garbage. Oh, and we need Technica Moon Boots, and um, I, think, I think we covered it. All right, next week on Gear 30, we're back to a good episode. It's going to be Sam and Luke uh, coming from Outdoor Retailer. So they will be talking about new good things, new dumb things. I don't know why, but I feel bad that we subjected Kristen to this conversation, even though we subjected her to these kinds of conversations all weekend long. Sorry, Kristen. Oh, there's Lyndon. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to let you have a little Lyndon cry. Lyndon's probably disappointed in us too, but that's okay. So anyway, I will talk to you all very soon. All right, see ya. All right. Bye. So yeah, that's it for today's episode. May it rest in peace. And if you actually found yourself laughing once or twice, then you know you really ought to go leave us a positive rating or review in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you hated this episode, eh, that kind of makes sense too. Finally, if you have your own take on hard seltzers or White Claw or Truly or good and bad flavors of Lara bars, please let us know in the show notes to this episode on the website. Till next time, please take good care out there, and we will talk to you again next week.